You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Corey Johnson and Kush Parikh. Be sure to check us out weekly every Monday and Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Also on Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. It's your boy. What up, y'all? You already know it's Kush, and I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey, how are you doing today? What's good with y'all, man? I'm so good to get back here on the Nosebleeds, talk some sports, because, man... It's it's going down. It's going down. It's finally here. The NBA. Q and the young back. jock. Meet me at the draft. It's going down. Meet me at the mall. Yes, sir. It's it's finally here, man. I mean, the NBA was long layoff, long layoff. And I it was going through a lot of periods where I was thinking like maybe they'll have a season, maybe they'll bring it back. But so far, things been looking good. Everybody's COVID free. They've been testing well. They've been mm-hmm. nine really straight job. days. So, so yeah. Well, we're gonna get into good. all that good stuff. Let's start off with on this day, July thirtieth, twenty twelve. Kendry Morales homered from both sides of the plate during a nine-run sixth inning, capping off the burst with a grand slam that sent the Halos past the Rangers, fifteen to eight. Take a listen. And that is hit well to right field. Cruz is going back. This one is gone. A two-run big fly for Kendrys Morales. And the Angels back on top, 5-2. to two. Another payoff pitch. Morales hits one out toward right center field. This one chasing Nelson Cruz back. Still going back at the wall. Reaches up. And he cannot make the catch. Grand slam for Kendrys Morales. Second home run of the inning. Six runs batted in, and it breaks this game open. And Morales became the third switch hitter in Major League history to homer as a lefty and a righty in the same inning. That's the definition of a switch hitter right there, to do it from both angles in the same in the same inning. It doesn't matter if it's lefty, doesn't matter if it's righty. He was going yard. And Those Morales, were the good old angel days, man. For real, for real. Like, Kendry Morales is kind of crazy, like, Ever since he kind of left the Angels, I mean, yeah, he's still been having the power, and yeah, he's been a good, solid DH. But I don't know. I just remember when he was with the Angels, he seemed like he was he was up there as like one of the notable home run hitters in the league. Not saying again, not saying that he's not right now, but definitely time time has time has gone by a long, long time from when he was with the Angels. Well, he's still in the league right now, which is crazy. But yeah, I mean. Every time I just think of Kendrick Morales, I think of that infamous walk-off home run where he was rounding the bases, jumped at home plate, and tore his ACL. And I think ever since that happened, like, his career just went downhill from there. Yeah, it was – it was such a weird moment because everybody's all hyped up because he hit the walk-off, and the next thing you know, it's like, yo, what the heck just happened? Like, man's grabbing at his knee, and, yeah, it was just a a terrible situation – 
because on one hand you won the game and it's exciting but on the other hand it's like yo you just missed the whole season basically <laughs> yeah, you just ruined your entire season right there yeah bro. crazy all right well let's get into it we got a lot a lot of stuff we have an action-packed nba episode for the season resuming on thursday but before we jump into that we have to talk about the 2020 nl cy young award winner joe kelly <laughs> i mean it just came out on wednesday that joe kelly, yeah he was the people's champ joe kelly was suspended eight games for his role for throwing behind the heads of bregman and correa on tuesday night in a 2017 world series rematch with the dodgers and astros this is kind of how it all went down in the bottom of the sixth inning one out bregman was up to the plate and kelly just couldn't find the strike zone nothing new there and <laughs> on a 3-0 count he throws a 96 mile an hour fastball located at Bregman's head Bregman ducks out of the way and then next batter is uh Brantley ground into a fielder choice and then he walks Guriel on a four pitch at bat and then after Guriel Carlos Correa came up to bat and on the first pitch it's an off-speed pitch right at his head and then Kelly proceeded to strike him out in a six pitch at bat to end the inning but this is where the fireworks happen on the way back to the dugout Kelly started jawing at Correa with and uh made some you know crying faces <laughs> at Correa <laughs> and uh then proceeded to tell him quote nice swing bitch end quote <laughs> and that was according to Astros manager Dusty Baker and when that happened both benches cleared with Correa and Kelly joining each other and basically it was like you know the typical baseball benches clearing just players and coaching holding each other's back just joining at each other's um Dodgers would go on to win the game, uh, five to two. And on Wednesday, it was announced that Kelly will be suspended eight games, which is equivalent to a 22 game suspension if it was a regular 162 game season. Wow. And then surprisingly, Dave Roberts got suspended one game, and he served as suspension during the Wednesday night game against the Astro. And Dusty Baker, the Astros manager, was fined. I mean, after that crazy eventful Tuesday night, what are your thoughts on the entire thing that transpired and then the suspensions that were handed out, Corey? The funny thing is, is that everybody looks at all that Joe Kelly's part is in this, but people forget in that at-bat with Brantley, Brantley uh, grounds into a fielder's choice and as Joe Kelly is covering first, uh, at the end of that play, you could hear somebody say, get back on the mound, you little effer. And it's like, whoa. And it was clearly somebody from the Astros side that said that to Kelly. So I'm like, yeah, he was throwing and uh, he wasn't finding the strike zone. And he was uh, clearly frustrated on that last pitch on Bregman. But it was so casual also, like how he just he be, he tries to beam Bregman in the head and then he just yawns afterwards, like <laughs> ah, no big deal, like ah, no big deal. <laughs> like this dude, Joe Kelly, just really had no filter, no chill whatsoever. And I think like besides just like all the crazy memes and the the the, the, the sparks that kind of flew off of this whole interaction, it it poses the question. Did Joe Kelly officially start the Astros uh, bean tour? <laughs> Are more pitchers now all of a sudden going to be like, oh, I mean, it's a short season, but can we still throw at Astros pitchers? 
So, because I don't think a lot of guys was focused in on that to start the season. I think everybody was just kind of happy that baseball was back. And that kind, and that whole storyline kind of took a back burner because of COVID. But now, like with this whole sparks flying and everything going on between, and it was just such perfect timing as well for MLB. Like, you got the Dodgers versus the Astros rematch of the 2017 World Series. And it, it just, the stars aligned perfectly for this whole thing to come about. And you got Joe Kelly, who is notoriously known for <laughs> saying that he will not take nothing from nobody. So, yeah, that, that was crazy. Joe, Joe Kelly, definitely, I, I got to call this man Joe Badass Kelly now because this <laughs> dude was not playing any games. He was, well, I mean, yeah, there was, was a lot crazy. of there was a lot of speculation whether those pitches at the heads of Bregman and Career were intentional right. or not. But Kelly is now seen as a legend by MLB fans, unless He's obviously you're uh, unless you're an Astros fan, obviously. But because he did what a lot of the fans w- would have done if they were on a pitching mound against the Astros, since they found out about the whole cheating scandals. But in regards to suspensions, first I'll start off with Dave Roberts. I'm guessing he was suspended because I guess he didn't control his bench and they got onto the field. But like. Other than that, I really don't know why you would suspension and suspend him. And even if that is the reason, I don't know if that would mandate a suspension. But I guess the MLB is kind of trying to send a message to the rest of the league, basically saying, control your teams. COVID is still a, a reality. So, I mean, you know, we can't just be having, you know, brawls or even uh, benches coming and too many players within um, a confined space. So, I mean, I think that's what the MLB was trying to do. But he served that Wednesday night against the Astros. And then with the Dusty Baker fine, I think the amount has been disclosed, but I'm guessing that's because he said that Kelly said nice swing bitch in a public interview. So I'm guessing cursing on in a public interview. That's probably why. But obviously, let's start off with Joe Kelly. I mean, eight games like I get it. It's very dangerous, very dangerous throwing a 96 mile an hour fastball at a batter's head. But eight games in this season, which is, like I said, equivalent to 22 games in a regular season. I mean, Joe Kelly is going to be appealing the suspension, allowing him to play for now. But honestly, fuck the Astros. <laughs> fuck Rob Manfred. <laughs> because, I mean, you don't you don't suspend anybody and you give the Astros a slap on their wrist for arguably the biggest cheating scandal in MLB history. But here you are suspending Joe Kelly eight games for throwing at a batter's head. And l- like I said, we don't even know if it was intentional or not because Joe Kelly's control is awful. Like he cannot I mean, find the this. Dude hit a up. window when exactly. We were in I was just gonna say and that. His like wife was like, so my husband was trying to work on a new pitch and broke a window. It's exactly. Like, That's exactly what I was gonna say. It's like this guy has a giant inflatable target in his front yard and just w- misses it completely, completely and breaks his window. And I mean if the MLB has claimed this is any, this isn't his first time instigating with intentionally hit by pitches, um, alluding to his brawl with Tyler Austin two years ago, oh which, my gosh. which I was kind of fingers crossed hoping that that would kind of happen this oh game with Correa and Joe Kelly. I but, mean, um, it was, it was, it, I don't think it was going to happen. Uh, I think if maybe, if maybe he would have like hit somebody like up I think in Korea, like the head Korea, or something like if somebody got hit in the head, I'm for sure like punches would have been thrown and yeah. social distancing would have been thrown out the window. It would have been on and cracking right then and there. Yeah. I mean, but still this, 
I mean, Korea, you kind of put a big old X on your back when you came out preseason during spring training and basically called out Bellinger, called out other Dodger players who called the Astros out for cheating. But it's like, bro, you did, guys did clearly cheat. Like, you can't expect to not be called out. And then you go back and call them out. Like, obviously, there's going to be a big target on your back. But to the suspensions, just add this to the list of terrible things Rob Manfred has done and another reason why he's arguably the worst commissioner in sports right now. I'll throw some – I'll throw uh... – I'll play defense attorney for the MLB here and I'll understand why they did what they did and why they're trying to somewhat not allow this to become a thing. Cause the worst thing in the world is yes, you have the Astros. Yes. What they did, what was wrong. Yes. They did cheat. Yes. It was clear, clearly proven, but at the same time, I don't know if you necessarily want to have guys just headhunting the Astros and just going on the mound and saying one day, eh, I think I'm just going to start beaming Astro players or something like that. And again, 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 I'm not saying that was the intent of Kelly. I'm not saying because obviously we just said, like, the guy has had trouble with his his command. And I think, honestly, with the career pitch, that was an off-speed pitch, and I think he lost track of it. With the Bregman pitch – Hard for me to say it, whether or not that was intentional. Yeah, or it not. was three zero. It was three zero, and it did seem a bit casual the way that he reacted. It wasn't like he was reacting like, "Oh shoot, didn't mean to throw it like that." He kind of was just like, "Eh, whatever." So, I mean, I get and, where you're coming from for sure, but the yeah. fact that you literally gave the Astros a slap on the wrist is what I think triggers me and MLB fans everywhere as well too like if you would have you know like i i for sure would have at least stripped them of their title maybe not mm-hmm. don't give it to the dodgers but i would have definitely stripped them for, of their title and so the you fact that did... you didn't suspend a single player yeah i get it their coach got fired or their gm got fired but the fact that you didn't suspend a single player and you're you're suspending joe kelly for eight games like maybe maybe cut the cut the suspension a little shorter because they're kind of like regular season or 60 game season the suspension is going to be the same i think that's absolute bullshit yeah i mean uh i think i think that yeah like you said like if if this was 162 game season this would be 22 something games like that that's that's crazy it when you think of the grand scheme of things but overall i understand what they were, were trying to achieve in doing so it's just that this is a bad look on that their behalf the mlb is what i mean just for the fact of the suspension i think but if if i think if they would have suspended him maybe like four games or yeah that's what i'm you know, saying something like that. Four games. yeah like four games or something like that i think then maybe it wouldn't have been taken as bad but either way joe kelly suspension or not nah, he's looking like uh, a freaking MLB Cooperstown legend in the eyes of well, baseball just, fans. Just write right him now. in as Cy Young and maybe even MVP for the <laughs> National League I mean, this year. I mean, the dude already, I've seen shirts on Twitter saying, nice swing, bitch. Like, yo, I'm like, yo, oh, this but is going to be know, amazing you know, for Joe Kelly. You know Dodger fans. Well, first of all, Dodger fans hated Joe Kelly because he would blow oh, yeah, games so many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think this, he just basically regained all their trust and their, oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. 
there. Oh, so yeah. Joe oh, Joe yeah. Kelly is definitely a hero in the eyes of Dodgers fans. But to to what you were saying with the shirt, I mean, I'm not surprised they came out with a Joe Kelly shirt saying "Nice swing, bitch," because last year they did the Max Muncy thing saying "Go get it out of the ocean." Yeah, yeah, go get it out of the ocean. I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, and so uh, the the last thing I'll say is like I, I seen on Instagram. I don't know if this is a, his official instagram account or not but like i've seen on an instagram account claiming to be joe kelly this dude has a picture of himself with his kids and on the kids photo his photoshop faces of correa bregman and altuve i'm like yo oh i did not see that you're gonna have to send that to me this is crazy just how this one incident has now got people wondering like is, is this going to start getting kind of crazy? Like, well, I think that's good for baseball because it's making baseball it's entertaining. To, yeah, look, it's causing people to talk about it. It's exactly. causing people to, you know, put in the question like, are Astros players, are, are is their safety just beyond the COVID stuff, is their safety now in jeopardy uh, whenever they step into that batter's box? Yeah. But, I mean, I think – I like you saw as soon as that happened everyone was tweeting at john boy saying john boy john boy where's the video where's the video and i actually right before we right before we recorded this episode i was looking at it probably like two hours ago or whatever and it was already at one million views in less than 24 hours so i mean and it was crazy is like how he caught like the mouthing of joe mm -hmm. kelly and like how like accurate he was saying it. it was like yo that's i felt that emotion right there like when he's telling Correa to like Go, go, go sit the freak down. It's like, get, get, get out of here. Go out of here. Please yeah. go sit down. So, yeah, Joe Kelly, at least, at least for the early part of the season, definitely Cy Young favorite, MVP mm-hmm. favorite, and maybe even Cooperstown favorite <laughs> at this rate. We'll see. But yeah, the Dodgers and Astro played game two on Wednesday night and it went to the 13th inning, but the Dodgers brought the brooms out and swept them despite no Dave Roberts managing and won four to two after Edwin Rios gave the Dodgers the lead in the 13th inning with a two run bomb. And the last thing I'll say about this whole thing is if the MLB is fortunate enough to get these two teams in a World Series, that 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 that'd be crazy. That'd be crazy because then it would be like, yo, this is a rematch and now it's even Steven. There's no technology being used. Now we get to really see what would have potentially happened in that 2017 World Series. Yeah, we're going to also have to see with Justin Verlander, though, battling an injury. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, but let's move on. We got a jam-packed NBA episode because the NBA is back, baby. Let's go. First things first, we're starting off with the Jazz versus Pelicans, the first game in 141 days since the suspension due to coronavirus. The Jazz are leading the series 2-1, to but the Pelicans won the most recent on January 16th. But let's before we even get started with the games, I should say, Corey, how excited are you to have basketball back? I mean, if you aren't excited, then you just don't like NBA basketball. <laughs> I mean, come on now. If you, you ain't you, excited, are you trying to are you trying to audition for the Kings play by play? I mean, <laughs> if you're not excited for this, you just don't like NBA basketball. But no, in all seriousness, the the fact that like the first game that we're getting is the Jazz and Pelicans, it's so ironic because it, the whole reason why like you know the shutdown happened was because of a certain player on the utah jazz and rudy gobert like you want to know something crazy i don't mean to cut you off but i saw something crazy that people are like 
Rudy Gobert's a hero because if he didn't do that, the coronavirus, more people probably could have gotten coronavirus from going to games and that probably could have not had the suspension. I'm like, dude, bullshit. Like, what the <laughs> hell? Like, first of all, do you see the numbers in America right now? It doesn't seem like that would have helped. Hey, they say sometimes every villain at the end of the tunnel, maybe maybe he has a redemption story. So, I mean, you never know. You never know. You either, so. like, like the words of the Dark Knight, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. So, I mean, I think Rudy Gobert is probably just thankful enough that uh, he's alive, one, and two, that he wasn't responsible for anybody potentially dying from COVID. And uh, I think also just the fact that the Utah Jazz um, were having a really good season before this whole thing happened. Like, just the fact that their team now is uh, looking pretty promising, uh, all things considered, uh, I I think that it will be very interesting to see how their season kind of goes on uh, despite everything that kind of happened before the shutdown. Right. And a big storyline coming into this game is obviously – Zion Williamson being questionable to play. He had left the bubble on July 16th to tend to family emergency, but returned to the bubble and practice on Tuesday night. So he's good to go, but he's still listed as a game time decision. If you are Alvin Gentry, is Zion playing or not? I think he plays, but he's definitely probably going to be on a minutes restriction. Uh, I think it's going to be similar to his debut against the San Antonio Spurs, which every single time I go back and watch it, Every single time I go back and watch it, it was a short little stint, but you kind of felt in your heart of hearts, like, dang, why didn't he just let him go? But I understand, but you understand it. You understand it. Cause it's like, you don't want to waste potentially or damage the guy who's supposed to be your franchise player off of just one game, which yes, is important because yeah, you are trying to get into the playoffs but at the end of the day, is it worth him getting injured and potentially having injury issues the rest of his career? And then everybody's saying like, oh, what a bust he turned out to be and all this other stuff. But I, I think that with Zion, they're going to have to really be cautious with the way that they treat him. I think that they're going to want to encourage him to understand that uh, he needs to play as hard as he can possibly, but at the same time, you don't want to have him like get into a situation where he, he's just having these nagging injury issues. Well, to your argument, I, I, I do agree that he will play but on a minutes restriction, but if it's anything like his debut where he pops off, I think Gentry actually lets him play because if he looks good, then I don't see why you pull him off because it's not really about him being injured or like, you know, kind of, um, you know, nursing an injury. It's more like, is he up to game speed with what it was before? Because even Zion came out and said, he's like, there's no way you can just miss a couple days of practice and then just jump back in and, you know, play the game like, like you were never gone. Like it's tough. It's the NBA. You're playing at the highest level. So in, in that regards, I think Zion, will get more playing time if he's playing at a high level and eight games only and they're three and a half games behind the eight seed every single game counts for these guys if any team it's for the pelicans because i mean you have a very young team if you can even get some sort of playoff experience i mean i would even say these eight seeding games 
are somewhat of playoff experience because that's how high profile these games are. And I mean, that that's why I think you haven't played, but I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if he is on a minutes restriction, but I do see him playing. Yeah, I see him playing too. Um, I think the the uh, the biggest thing though is uh the Pelicans have had everything kind of go in their favor as far as the scheduling of these eight games. They have the best schedule out of any team in the bubble right now. And out of hmm. all the remaining teams. Coincidence? Well, well, I mean, there's people that are already said, like, hey, I mean, maybe the NBA wants to just get Zion and the Pelicans in the playoffs and get that HC so they can have Lakers versus Pelicans. LeBron, LeBron. versus Zion. Look. Everybody knows that this is the entertainment business. So, I mean, yeah. people are going to watch in droves a playoff series with LeBron James, the, the, the pretty much the face of the NBA these past 10 or so years, and the potential new face. This, this well, You said 10 or so years? I said 10 or more years. Like, you I mean, better, nah. like, hey, 17 hey. years. Ever since this guy came years. into the league. <laughs> Do not sugarcoat it. 17 right, years since this right, guy came into the league. All right, all right, all right. But, but yeah, I mean, you got this young dude, Zion, who just wows you with his athleticism. But at the same time, I think the thing that I look so much more beyond the athleticism is just the way that his impact, the way that he mm-hmm. really shifted things in his debut is what made me like, yo, how he's playing is not only like, you don't just see it with the crowd. You see it with the team around him. Like you see how they're getting more into a flow, more into a rhythm. And Zion is not like a selfish player. Don't get me wrong. He needs the ball in his hands in order to draw the defense in, but he's willing to kick out to his teammates. He's willing to share the ball around. He's not uh, a personality in which comes across as being demonstrative or being somebody who's like oh I got this is my team or this is that this is that I mean he's a rookie I mean he is a rookie so I I think that's where the whole Duke thing comes into play with RJ Barron and Cam Reddish I think if he went to a school where he's just by himself maybe things turn out different maybe but the fact that he is willing to share the spotlight and even take a back seat to a JJ Reddick, like in, in in his opening interview, like JJ Reddick said, "Yo, don't f this up for me, man. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've been making the playoffs. Don't you know? Every I'm trying to keep, trying to make the playoffs again." So he's like, "Yo, why are you talking to me? I'm a rookie." He's like, "Come <laughs> on now, come on now." All right, well let's let's take a quick season restart outlook for these two teams. We'll start off with the jazz first. I mean, we've been talking about the Pelicans, but let's start off with the jazz 41 and 23 right now. They're in fourth place in the West, a game and a half behind third place, but a game ahead of the fifth and sixth seed as well. They uh, were actually pretty, pretty hot coming down the stretch before the suspension won their last five out of six games. I have them going six and two, this restart so 47 and 25 and maintaining that fourth seed but i mean it's going to be tough with no boy on bogdanovich who was their second leading scorer and is out for the season with a hand injury but i mean i think joe ingles will start in place and he's been he's going to pick up that that three-point slack that they're missing from no uh, bogdanovich i mean ingles is shooting 41 and a half percent from three-point line and then also so you have jordan clarkson and then royce o'neill i think they'll pick up the slack but what, what do you think about the Jazz? Um, I like the Jazz, to be honest. Uh, 
I think, like you said, that uh, it's a big loss, no, no Boyan. But uh, overall, I, I think the the synergy with this team, obviously the focus being Donovan Mitchell offensively. But, I mean, if Mike Conley can just show a little bit flashes here and there of his old self, they might be in a nice little sneaky spot. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, as long as they are – solid on the defensive end and again not really sure if we're going to see the same Rudy Gobert that we saw on uh before everything shut down he looked decent in the scrimmages yeah yeah I mean he looked decent but you know sometimes you know I think this is going to be a, a a more psychological thing like sports across the board not just the NBA I think this is going to be more psychological than just strictly on the court because not only are players thinking about COVID, not only are players thinking about what's going on the court, they're thinking about a lot of things on their minds, social injustice, you know, playing games, uh, COVID, you know, there's a lot of different things, family, everything's on their heads right now. And there's a lot of uh, things kind of that could distract you easily if you allow it to. But I think that if, if they're, if the Jazz are focused, then yeah, they could be one of those sneaky teams in the West that if they get the right matchup in the playoffs, could really make a, a lot of heads turn. Yeah, and I think also the big story for the Jazz is obviously Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, whether they screwed things up with the whole uh, Rudy Gobert being reckless and getting coronavirus and then giving it to Donovan Mitchell, but in the in the three scrimmage games, they actually look like I don't know if they they healed those wounds that they had with each other, or it's just they're putting that to the side because they're focused on basketball. But I mean, it looked like they were good with one another. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to say because uh, um, sometimes you you can just put like a personal issue onto the side and just be like, "Yo, uh, I might not like you, or I might not." have like uh we, we might have beef or we might have something going on off the court or whatever but on the court is business and it's just strictly professional so it mm-hmm. might just be strictly professional and it might just be uh you know business as usual but maybe there's more to it but sometimes it doesn't always depend I think it always depends on the personalities whether or not you would see something to where like I don't know I thought it was kind of crazy thinking back to it like one of the most like you could tell that something was personal was in that all-star game where like Michael Jordan just got frozen out and nobody was just going to pass in the ball whatsoever because they were like, yo, uh, don't give him the ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't like this kid. So it, 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 it depends. I think uh, how either Donovan or how Rudy want to go about it. But I think overall, they're going to put that aside and try to focus on having Honestly, a, a really good shot at competing. And maybe, like I said, they get the right matchup in the first round. The second round's always been like their Achilles heel because they have run up against a really tough team. But I, I think if they can maybe get the right matchups, who knows? They can shock a lot of people. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the Pelicans for a brief minute. And, I mean, we talked about them already, but 28 and 36 tied for ninth place in the West with Portland and Sacramento three and a half games behind the eight seeded Memphis Grizzlies. They won their last eight out of 13 games, but I think in that early season, they had a 13 game losing streak, which definitely hurt them now looking back at it. 
but I have them going six and two, ending at 34 and 38, and getting that ninth seed and playing the Grizzlies for that play in spot. I have them overtaking the Grizzlies and getting the actual eighth seed and winning. Uh, between those two, they, they'll get that one game and be the official HC. But overall, man, I think Zion or not, obviously Zion is a key component to their success. Um, but even if he's maybe not there for this opening game, like if Alvin Gentry just decides to maybe not play him as much or he's not going to be available at all, I think they still have a good outlook on things if they're smart with it. Because I think this is a crucial, crucial, crucial time, especially when you look at the makeup of their roster. you got three former Lakers on their team, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, and Brandon Ingram. And I think if Brandon Ingram – I really want to see Brandon Ingram in the postseason just because he's been – when he was drafted, everybody talks about how he potentially could be a baby Kevin Durant. And his his whole career, when you look at it, if he doesn't blossom into the potential star that a lot of people thought he could be, everybody's going to talk about how, like, well, I mean, Ben Simmons, he turned out to be this, this you know, all-star, decent player, and, you know, such and such. But if you look at the playoffs, Ben Simmons hasn't really popped. So if Brandon Ingram gets into the postseason and has a decent postseason, that poses the argument of maybe Brandon Ingram was the better draft pick. I mean, it's still not too late in the game to assess that or re reevaluate that that those uh that draft. So I think overall uh don't sleep on Jalen Brown either who was taken right after the both of them. That's true. So I mean overall when you when you look at their team and their makeup, when they didn't have Zion, Brandon Ingram was the primary scoring option for them, which had its ups and had its downs. But now that Zion is now officially going to be available uh, throughout these eight games, can they find the synergy beyond just running and gunning on teams? And I think their biggest problem will be in the half court set. Are they going to be able to, when things slow down, be able to go toe to toe against the teams that they got on their schedule? So I think if they are able to do that, then the running and gunning is going to come with itself because this is still a really young team and mm-hmm. young teams like to get out and run. It's just the thing that, you know, kind of scares you. It's like, yeah, you get that eight seed and congratulations. You got to face LeBron in AT. They do have that veteran presence. though with JJ Reddick and drew holiday. And I mean, maybe you could throw in Derek favors in too, but yeah. I mean, don't, I, it's going to be also tough because you look at the trailblazers too and, Yusuf Nurkic back, he's looking like he hasn't missed a step with his yeah, injury. That's and very true. With gruesome injury gruesome. added, too. But so gruesome. He looked good. He's been looking good as well, too. So, I mean, Dame C- and CJ's been looking great as well, too. But CJ's always that guy who can, like, just look like he's one of the best small shooting guards in the game. But then other nights, he look like he can't find a shot. Yeah, I think that's been – and to be honest with you, when it comes to that team Portland – I'm not really too sure, like, because I want to say maybe last year or last season, after everything kind of went down, I was like, I wonder how does Portland go from here? Do you still keep rolling out the same team? It kind of reminds me of the situation with Washington. It's like you got Bradley Bill and you got John Wall, and when they were both healthy, it didn't seem as if it was producing wins versus when either one of them 
goes down, the team seems like they get better. So I w- I'm not saying the same thing happens with uh, CJ and Dame. It's just in the postseason, you clearly see there's a ceiling that they always hit. And so if you want to stop hitting that ceiling, you either, A, got to get more talent in, which they tried with getting in Carmelo Anthony, but is that I don't know if that's a plus mm-hmm. or a negative. Yeah. So totally I don't know if that's a, like a positive addition or a negative addition. It's like everybody the was Trevor, like, Whoa. The, the Trevor Ariza addition was good, but he obviously yeah, is not playing with uh, him opting out. So it's yeah. going to be a tough loss. Yeah, All right, but let's sure. move on to the matchup that has gotten everybody talking about for opening day, and that is obviously the Clippers versus the Lakers. The Clippers lead the Lakers 2-1 on the season, with the Lakers winning the most recent matchup on March 8th. Big storylines coming into this game. Let's start off with the Clippers. No Lou Will, no Montrez Herald, and maybe no Pat Bev in the opener. I mean, Lou Will... He's available to play, but we all know why he isn't playing. <laughs> He's still facing that 10-day quarantine. And then Montrez Harold left the bubble on July 17th to tend to a family emergency, and he's still out. Patrick Beverly left for family reasons as well, but is back. And uh, Zubak and Shamit are back uh, after they had tested positive for coronavirus, but all three could be available for Thursday's game. So we'll have to see whether Doc Rivers wants to roll out those guys or uh, keep them out. What are your thoughts on the Clippers not having those guys? It's a big loss. Um, And kind of – it's a big loss, but I guess the positive you could take from it if you're like a Clipper fan or uh, if you're the Clippers is that this gives Doc the opportunity to play with the lineup and gets opportunity to maybe see – what he has in Reggie Jackson and what he has in um, different guys, because when it gets to the postseason, you only maybe go seven deep and that's probably it. Cause I mean, the cool thing about the Clippers is they have that depth and that depth is good for the regular season. Depth doesn't always come into play when it comes to the postseason. Cause it's like, like I said, you go about seven guys deep. Eight is like really pushing it. But seven guys deep is the furthest you go because your star players, Kawhi and Paul George, are probably at both going to average between 35 to 40 minutes each a game. So I think overall, these games, the Clippers should just pretend. The main thing is that the Clippers need to use these games to find chemistry. It's, it's good if they win, yes, but overall, they, their, their spot – I want to say in the playoffs is secure, but they want to make sure they get the right matchup and they don't want to like have to go into a situation where they potentially might have to face the Lakers in the the second round. So you don't want to like completely just sell these games and just fall off completely to where you drop to like the third seed or something like that. Right. But I think overall them missing these guys gives an opportunity for somebody else to say, Hey, yeah, I know Lou Will's an integral part of this team, but I'm Reggie Jackson and I'm inserting my name right here to steal his spot. Yeah. But I think against a team like the Lakers, it's kind of going to be a tough situation to try to, to try to, especially the way the Lakers been playing. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be tough. But I mean, my, my biggest question for the Clippers is who's what's going to be that late game lineup. Cause no Montrez, no Lou will. And then if no Pat Bevs, that's, three of the five guys that you would have rolled out in that end of the game lineup. So we'll have to see what's going on. And then with the Lakers, 
AD is planning on playing despite the eye injury. He got poked in the eye during Saturday's scrimmage against Orlando, and uh, he sat out Monday's scrimmage against the Wizards and sat out the practice on Tuesday, but he was seen at Wednesday's practice, and he was originally scratched for this game, but he came out and said that he's planning on playing, and I'm pretty sure he's going to play. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, The Lakers should be smart and maybe consider doing a minutes restriction, like I mentioned with Zion. I think that you don't – like I said, this game for – these games, these eight games for the teams like the Clippers, the Lakers – uh, the Bucks, uh, maybe you could say even the Raptors and Celtics, these games need to be used as warm-up for the playoffs. These games need to be used as finding that chemistry, getting those, uh, getting that defense intact, and, 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 and especially um, just, just picking up where you kind of left off, uh, where the season kind of ended. And I think with the Lakers, while you would love to have AD available for this game and the entire game, health is the priority. And not just as far as, like, worrying about staying healthy and COVID-free, but also you got to worry about injuries because injuries are an unfortunate part of the game. They do happen. So I I suggest that the Lakers be aware of the situation and not really try to – to to force or try to you know put ad on out there for like the entire game if you can help it maybe get him in for uh maybe two or three quarters and once it hits fourth quarter regardless what the score is just just have him sit out all right well let's answer the question that all our listeners are probably wanting us to answer who's going to come out on top of this game Corey? Just judging on who will be potentially available for this game, it looks on paper like I have to go with the Lakers, unfortunately. Because just just because of the fact that I think that it's going to be difficult for the Clippers to make up so much of the talent that they're going to be losing out on offensively and defensively especially. Kawhi is only one person. Paul George is only one person. Yeah, they're two of the best defensive players in the league, but when when you got the Lakers who love to do pick and roll, who love to drive into the lane, who love to kick out to shooters, it's going to be very difficult for the Clippers to have to really defend against this potent and deadly scoring team. And if Kuzma is on, like, some of these scrimmage games where he's just been knocking down everything, whew. And then you got Deion Waiters <laughs> knocking down everything. And – you got J.R. Smith knocking down everything. I mean, I don't know. Some of these scrimmage games, I'm like, look like practice for the Lakers because the way that J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters were cooking dudes, I was like, there's no way. There's no way. Yeah, I mean, I think this game, the the Clippers have a lot more to lose than the Lakers because the Lakers are five and a half games above the, the Clippers for that second seed. So they're kind of – they have a lot of leeway to hold on to that first seed. But for the Clippers – they're only a game and a half uh, in front of the Nuggets for the third seed. So, I mean, every game counts for the Clippers because they don't want to drop to that third seed and then, you know, potentially play a, a, a harder opponent like the Rockets or the Thunder or the Jazz rather than the Mavericks. So, I think the Clippers... Yeah, if you can avoid that for the first round, you, you will take it. Yeah. You will try to <laughs> avoid that with all your might. But I have... I'm with you with the Lakers winning just because... 
think their absences, especially when the two six man of the year candidates are missing in Montrezl Herald and Lou Will, it's going to be tough for PG and Kawhi when they go to the bench. Like, who's going to step up? You don't really like you knew Lou Will and Montrez will still give you at least 15 to 20 points a game off the bench, but now it's like you don't really know who that is, and it's going to be easier for defenses to hone into that one guy like the the reggie jacksons or the marcus morris's off the bench uh so i mean or sorry when the when Kawhi and pg go to the bench and the big thing that not a lot of people are talking about is Kawhi has been struggling in these scrimmages badly i mean you look at the magics he went nine points shooting 37 and a half percent against a wizard six points shooting 18 percent and then against the kings 15 points shooting 27 percent so, I mean, I've been watching these scrimmages and they're getting good looks. That's why I, I love what I'm seeing from the Clippers from getting really good looks, but there's a lot of rust. And I'm hoping that the scrimmages knocked off those rusts because that's what they're meant for. But at the same time, I don't know. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a concern <laughs> if you're a Clippers fan, if you're a Kawhi fan. I think – and PG's been looking amazing. His confidence is is high. He's looking good. He's crossing dudes up on the first scrimmage. And, like, and like he's in midseason form. So, I mean, that's good to see if you're a Clippers yeah, let's fan. let's just hope that he's not playoff P form. <laughs> well, let's not go there. Let's just hope, man. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I think I think PG-13 is going to pick up the slack. But with no Lou Will, Harold, and if Kawhi is going to be – uh struggling that's gonna be really tough for pg to carry all those guys weights but i think Kawhi is gonna be his old self i think now that the games will count i mean so that's why i have the clippers look at it this way the clippers have only had their full team for 11 games this season and won 44 games so far this season so i mean that goes that speaks volume to to who they are i mean they've been running lineups and rosters with randomly but They've still had got got it to work. So this team's built for a deep roster and isn't used to player absences. But I mean, team as good as the Lakers, it'll be tough. But should be fun to watch. Yeah. All right. Let's go into the teams to watch in the bubble. Corey, let's start with you. Who you got? Uh, this is a team that don't really get a whole lot of mentions or a whole lot of discussions. But I think. They're good. It's just I, I, I myself, I understand why people don't talk about them, but I got to go with the Denver Nuggets. I've been really, really, really impressed with what I've seen out of them in these opening scrimmages. And I, I think the, the biggest thing is that they show me that they're willing to kind of forego the traditional <laughs> uh, uh, the traditional format of having like small uh, guards and power forward and a small forward like they went in like the opening game they had like a full-on like like a huge ass lineup <laughs> to a huge starting lineup they have like bobo they had freaking <laughs> they, they just decided to just go big and i'm they like had, i think they, could maybe... they had mason plumley or miles Plum, one of yeah. the plumley brothers they had yeah, one of the plumley they had Jokic, they had jeremy Jokic. grant <laughs> who played yeah, like, playing yo, guard and then a, like what the I heck can't, i can't remember maybe it was Hernan yeah, Gomez. Like, i can't remember yeah like they just decided to go big for like that starting lineup and i'm like if that could maybe potentially pop off maybe you decide to go and do that in an actual game oh, it was Paul, it Millsap, really Paul Millsap. yeah like if you actually decide to do that in a real game when it counts that's a total different shakeup. Now, obviously, I don't know how that would work maybe defensively. That's maybe where you could, could go, 
could get in trouble with like a uh with obviously having a big man chase around like a smaller guard or something like that but if it works and it, it, it's something that could throw teams off that's a curveball that you might see in the playoffs and you know mr malone is he, he he's used to throwing a bunch of curveballs and at this point it's win by any means necessary when it comes to getting it, when it comes to these eight games and when it comes to the postseason because the Nuggets have been a team that I think people have been used to saying they're a team that is a sleeper pick, is a sleeper pick. But how you go from being a sleeper pick to being a legitimate team? You go to being a legitimate team by winning. And I think if they win by a, a, a establishing something that – is tough as far as it's hard to get into the paint with big men. So good luck when you got a whole starting lineup of big men. I mean, I think <laughs> he's trying to just get into the lane. I think fans so, would pay good money to see that Nuggets big man lineup against the Rockets small ball lineup. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. And so I think that it's going to be a very fun eight games and postseason for the Nuggets. I think the the one thing though that kind of concerns me is their guard play because while I, yes I like Gary Harris and and yes I I do like um I I do like their their the way that their guards play but when you look at the playoffs if you look at Portland they got CJ and Dame if you look at uh, even with the Lakers while yes their guards are maybe not that bad like LeBron acts as a point guard so. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult, I think, with with their guard play kind of matching up with everybody else. But I think one of the things that concerns me is whether or not Jokic can can dominate in the postseason. So the team I'm rolling with, I mean, this team they have the potential to be one of the best teams in the NBA. I mean, they have all the puzzle pieces, but it seems like they can never put those pieces together. And that is the 76ers. I mean, they're currently sitting in sixth place right now in the East, tied with the fifth-seeded Pacers and are four-and-a-half games behind the third-seeded Celtics. So anything can happen. And call me crazy, but I have them going 8-0 and in these eight-seeding games, and I have them jumping up to the fourth seed. But the thing is whether Joel Embiid can stay healthy. I mean, he's already dealing with nagging injuries and he missed the team's third scrimmage with right calf tightness. I mean, the guy's the best center in the league, in my opinion, but just cannot seem to stay on the court because he's so injury prone. And then you have Ben Simmons, who's now pulling up for threes with confidence, but will he actually do that in games when it matters? I mean, he did in the preseason as well and got a lot of the fans hype with, you know, maybe he's going to be pulling up threes this year, but come regular season, he didn't intentionally take those. Like he, he was only in a, in a, in a situation where you're stuck. He had to take them, but, and then they don't really have any players missing from their, for the restart of the season. And then I think with the whole moving Horford to the bench and starting shake Milton, that change helped them out. So we'll see if uh, that works out for the Sixers as well. But also, another thing is the Sixers have been really good against good teams playing at home, but really bad against good teams while playing on the road. So with this whole restart in a quote-unquote neutral venue, I'm curious to see how they play because there's no real home or road. I mean, technically there is, but you know what I mean. Um, and then Brett Brown, 
this guy, I think he's on the hot seat. I, I, I think he has to really prove himself this restart and in the playoffs because this team can either be super good to a point where they can make an NBA finals run or they can get eliminated in the first or second round. That's just how crazy this team is. Oh, I mean, you talking about make or break for Brett Brown. How about make or break for potentially Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons as a tandem? Yeah. I think that this could be a referendum on whether or not they stay together. Cause at some point I feel, this feels like Penny Hardaway and Shaquille O'Neal all over again. I feel as if that dynamic is with this team. So much potential. So much potential there. But Embiid being Penny I, with the injuries. But, yeah. But the problem also is that I just don't know if their dynamic works. Because you have a guy who's supposed to be a guard or at least have guard sort of mannerisms and yeah he's a great playmaker he sets guys up well that's that's awesome but all he can really do is just drive to the paint you know get layups and dunk and and maybe occasionally hit a a, a inside mid-range or something like that if he can't stretch the floor or he's not able to be able to provide good spacing then what does that cause you as a defense to do hone in on Embiid and and, and that that's going to cause him to, you know, have to get hit, slapped, smacked around, and he's taking on the brute and all the punishment, he's going to be looking around like, damn, dude, like, I'm having to get hit up because you, you're you scared to shoot the ball. So I'm just – I don't – you know, there's been rumors about this. There's been rumors about their dynamic. There's been rumors about the fact that um, Ben Simmons really doesn't work on his game. <laughs> like – there's rumors that he's still being he's still playing overall virtually the same way that he did when he was in high school when he and even when he was at LSU. So the only difference is that obviously he's getting, you know, he's he's bigger, he's stronger, and you know, he's been in the league a little bit. But overall, I mean, Ben Simmons, if he can't, like you said, knock down outside shots and provide another element for defenses to have to at least respect and not sag off like a kajillion feet away <laughs> where you got guys literally not guarding you. <laughs> it, it, it makes it tough on your offense to be as potent and as threatening because like I said, regular season, yeah, you can get into a track meet. Yeah, you can get out into the open court. When it's the playoffs for the most part, you have to run offense in the half-court set, and that's the difference between winning and losing when your half-court set is able to, regardless of who's on the floor, just dominate. And so, yeah, Embiid, like you said, is a good player. It's just, can he stay healthy? And with Ben Simmons, it's like, dude, shoot the ball. So that's the the dynamic that you currently have with the 76ers. And I'm wondering if you were Elton Brand and you had to trade one of them and you had to keep one of them and, and keep them to be the face of your franchise, who do you decide that should be? Do you take Embiid who's had his injury history or do you take a guy who is afraid maybe to shoot the ball or not really all that secure when it comes to shooting the basketball and Ben Simmons. That's a tough scenario. But overall, like you said, the talent on the court is there. The talent on paper is there. Maybe a little bit of question marks as far as coaching. I'll give you that. 
But overall, they have a good, solid team. And then they even have the rookie that I like in Tibble. That dude is great defensively. Stable, yeah. Yeah. So I like him. With Ben Simmons, I mean, we've seen the videos of him in practice knocking down consecutive threes in a row. So I think – Oh, yeah. I think – it's more of a mental slash psychological block potentially in his head that if he can break that barrier down, this guy can potentially skyrocket to a top five, maybe even a top three player. Cause I mean, the kid, the kid's young, the kid's great at every, I think he's going to be first team all defense this year. And I mean, playmaker, he's amazing. Literally he can, he can attack the rim at will. So adding another jump shot, it would literally make him a, player who can do everything and think about this because like you got Giannis who's all of a sudden starting to develop a three-point shot yet you got Ben Simmons who I, yeah like you said will pull up I think in, I think give it, give, stuff, it a, but... give it a year I think next year if he he'll really break that down and I think because Giannis is what two years older than him and Giannis barely yeah. started so I mean I would still give Ben Simmons some time but yeah no, like don't get me wrong I mean, obviously, he would much rather Ben Simmons shooting the basketball than Giannis. But, I mean, if Giannis is making him, I mean, hey, (laughs) nothing I can really say to argue against him going ahead and pulling up from deep. But it's like you said, I think he just started maybe, but he he started comfortably shooting the ball, I think, last year, Mm -hmm. toward the end of last year. I wouldn't even say last year. I would say, like, this offseason, this past offseason. Yeah, he became, like, solidified as, like, I'm going to start shooting more threes. And, and now he's he's perfectly fine with just you know mm-hmm. if I got a shot I'll take it yeah so and I think with the I, mean, I think also with the 76ers I don't want to go on for too long with this but with the 76ers it's also their 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 supporting cast for Embiid and and Simmons I mean they have Tobias Harris who is great they have Shake Milton who has come out of nowhere and then Al Horford but I was also I was looking I was thinking about it and then I actually read about it that what if they did Al Horford for Eric Gordon trade. And how helpful would that be? Because you look at the Rockets, they'll they'll take on Al Horford's contract, I think, just for a little bit for the time being, because that gives them a center that basically I would say a taller version of PJ Tucker. And then if you and then if you look at the Sixers, on the other hand, they get a guy who can create shots, whether it's on on the, in the starting lineup or off the bench. I mean, you have that kind of that spark plug as well too. What are your hmm. thoughts on that? Um, they both have contract extensions. I mean, they both have like, I don't know if their deals per se will match up perfectly, but they're around yeah. the same ballpark. Yeah, obviously the money part is like always the big like issue when it comes to like those trades. But it's it's an interesting deal. Um, I think, like you said, like if 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 maybe the Sixers had somebody like a Eric Gordon, who is really good at at, at just being like a spark plug out of nowhere and, and providing a team with like some quick little buckets. But I'm not sure if the Rockets would be willing to take on Al Horford though. That's the only thing that I'm not too sure about because I look at Al Horford and where he is at his career right now. And I'm, I'm just trying to think of like, what, what thing does he do that stands out from like, you know, any other player. And yes, He's, he, he would provide them with a good center help, but he doesn't really, you know, rebound the basketball. And, look, everybody can talk about, like, oh, you don't really need a big man or big men are dying. But, like, look, rebounds 
<laughs> rebounds are essential. So you need rebounds because especially if you're trying to end a defensive possession, you need somebody to rebound the ball. If you're trying to extend an offensive possession and get offensive rebounds, you still need that. So I'm, he's not a really good rebounder. Yeah, he can provide you with maybe some offense, and yeah, he can occasionally hit the threes. But I, I just don't know if Al Horford at this stage of his career would be an asset to the Rockets. He would, I think, more so would be uh, he would be a, a a a negative for their team. But really, I just think I so. feel like I, I feel I'm like sure, he'd I'm be not sure the how perfect the, center for the Rockets. I mean, you looked at him on the Celtics, like. All you really need him to do is rim protect, rebounding. I mean, they're doing it without him but right I, now. I think of Al Horford, I just don't think of rim protector, though. That's the thing. I mean, I don't think of necessarily him as a rim protector or something. But he, he has the like capability of doing that, and he has the capability of defending at the perimeter. And if you are the Rockets and you're going up against the Anthony Davises, against, you know, the, the other, the Jokic's like in the league, like, Al Horford, I feel like it's a perfect guy to put on those players because he has the height, because he has a versatility on defense. Yes, he's old. Yes, that contract's ugly. But, I mean, it could be a project right now. That's what I feel. And I feel like I mean, right now for I, the I Rockets, get you. I it's, get you. it's win. I mean, it, it's it's championship it's or bust. It's win now. Yeah, it is win now. And I think, and sure. I think on the offensive end, I mean, you really don't have to worry about him. He'll just be stretching the floor, really. And he'll, he'll, he'll be standing in that corner, that mid-range on the elbow because – I mean, you have Harden and Westbrook. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Um, I mean, it's an interesting dynamic. I mean, obviously, the the Sixers brought him in because he was notoriously the, the Embiid stopper in the playoffs. So they figure, like, better, you know, the enemy of my enemy is now my friend. So I'd rather have Horford on my team so that way he's not shutting down my best asset in Embiid. But now that's stopping Embiid's injuries. Just, yeah. I think overall, like having him match up against AD and Jokic, that's a debate in itself. I, I mean, I mean, it's could... I, I definitely think it's an upgrade than PJ Tucker guarding those guys. Oh yeah, for sure. That, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm sure, not saying for sure. I, I get you. And then... I get you. I think matchup wise, maybe that that provides them with that element. It's just I don't know if it would be a great fit. And if it's will, if it's worth the risk of doing it, because it is a big risk as far as, like you said, like the contract is ugly and he's not really any spring chicken. But I mean, he's still he's still he's valuable in the fact that he's a serviceable player. But I just don't necessarily know if he's still, you know, 100 percent capable of defending elite players especially like the Anthony Davis of the world. But like you said, better than P.J. Tucker. Yeah, well, we'll see. This is all hypothetical. But all right, let's get into our next segment. We're going to play this little game called Start Bench Cut. And it's basically we got three players on basically, I would say, the same tier level. um, And basically got to pick start one, bench one, and cut one. So we're going to start off with actually a pretty hard one, I would say. Actually, I think all of these are hard. Let's start off with the first one. We got Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, start bench cut, Corey. So I'm I'm going to go with start PG. I'm going to bench Jason Tatum, and I'm probably going to cut Jimmy Butler. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I got the same thing as you. I was hoping we would have something different. But, yeah, I think with PG, he's just one of the best two-way players in the league. 
finished third in MVP last season. So it's like, you can't not start him. And then Tatum, he just, he skyrocketed this season. I think not, not a knock to Jimmy Butler, but Tatum. And, and this is all based on this current season and, and not, yeah. not anything like, Oh, if they were in their prime or something like that, or um, given mm-hmm. that, like how young they're like taking age into, into, you know, yeah, I think that Tatum for me, um, he he's one he's a bloomer. He's starting to bloom. And the thing is, is that his rookie season he was looking unbelievable. And if we were going based off last season, maybe I I, I bench Jimmy Butler and cut Tatum. Yeah. But hey, this season right here, right now, I gotta go with Tatum just for the fact that while yes. He's maybe not as good of a two-way player as Jimmy Butler is right now. I think the offense that he provides you, I think that is more valuable to me than the overall player that Jimmy Butler is right now. I think, and it's not to say that Jimmy Butler is just like trash right. compared to Jason Tatum. Right. I mean, I th- I think that's why I would pick Jimmy Butler is because of his defense. Um, Jimmy Butler definitely has better defense but i would say tatum's offense definitely outweighs like you said but tatum's defense is a very underrated part of his game all right let's move on we got dame dollar westbrook and Kyrie. start bench cut Corey. i'm gonna probably say start dame and this is tough because i'm like do i take injuries into account with it <laughs> I'd probably say I'd probably say bench Westbrook cut Kyrie. All right, well I'm gonna go start Dame. It's kind of tough, but I'm gonna go bench Westbrook and cut Kyrie, same as you. I think Dame is making the argument as the best point guard in the game right now. Could be a different conversation if Curry was healthy, but even with Obviously, Curry yeah, healthy, yeah, I think yeah. he this past season dame is giving him a run for his money i mean he had that yes. what he had that like 10 game span where he was averaging 40 a game or something like that yeah and then westbrook i think it also depends on what his teammates are looking like but that's so true but he does do a little bit of everything in every single aspect of the game on the defensive end as well and i, I would say the basketball iq is a little bit less than be desired yeah. but that's probably why i put dame as like starting above Westbrook, yeah. Because while yes, maybe it'd be it would so be interesting to see these players go one on one and like have like a mini tournament. But overall, I think that Dame to me doesn't he's not as erratic as Westbrook can be, and that's why so much I've always said for the Westbrook fanboys out there. Yes, he's got the athleticism. Yes, he's talented. Yes, he's averaging triple doubles, but in the crucial spots, in those crucial spots, he turns his head can he go turns into West Brick. Just like, yo, what are you doing? I say that way too many times with Westbrook than I have to do with majority of the point guards in the league. I honestly would probably take John Morant over Westbrook right Whoa. now. Whoa! Like, if I'm starting a team, if I'm looking at like a, a team that I want right now to start with, I would take John Morant over Westbrook. But I'm talking about like currently, not not take age. Take, yeah, no, no, no. Like, but yeah. I'm saying take age out of the factor. Take their prime out of All the right. factor. Who are you putting in? I would still, I would still take Ja because I based I can on this season, on basket, I can count on his basketball wow. IQ. I can count on his basketball IQ more so than Westbrook. 
I feel more confident that John Morant will make the right basketball decision than I feel with Russell Westbrook. Again, no knock on his game. Just that, like I said, erratic at times. And I look, I don't if it's a if it's fourth quarter situation, I don't need to be over here thinking like, what's he gonna do? <laughs> it's like, yo, which if it's Ja versus Westbrook, I'm like, yo, Ja, go do your thing. Go do your thing, yo. Go do your thing. Wow. That's very interesting. Um, I think for Kyrie, me cutting him, I mean, it's so hard to do that because I think this guy's the greatest ball handler in NBA history. I, so shifty. Yeah, just his craft. Like, this guy's literally making up dribble moves in the middle of a game that we've never seen before, and it's just like, how? And I think he's one of the toughest and clutchest scorers as well, too. But yeah, I don't know if it's me, but I feel like every time Kyrie leaves or he moves on from a team, that team arguably gets better. Better, yeah. I was about to say that. I was like, they just get better. So I mean, that, I mean, if it I if mean, it happened like maybe once, twice, you could call it a coincidence. But I think it's happened three yeah. times. I mean, with the with yeah. the, with the Cavs, I mean, they still made it to the finals. They were still good, but that's yeah. obviously because they had the LeBron. So, but I think the animosity wasn't there. And then with the Celtics, the next year they made it to the conference finals. They, so I mean, and even when he was injured, they were in the conference finals. Took the Cavs to seven games. And then, I mean, with the Nets this season, too, like, he looked good this season. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking him as a player. But once he left, the Nets actually looked a lot better with Dinwiddie and Lavert and DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen. I mean, and Joe Harris, too. So, I mean, without him, they actually looked better. So, I don't know. It's just, man, Kyrie, dude. Kyrie. He's too busy on trying to figure out if the earth is really flat or not. (laughs) All right, let's move on. He's another He's another one. He's another one where I'm like, I don't know. Let's move on. We got a little sixth man edition one. Let's go with Lou Will, Jamal Crawford, and Manu Ginobili. Who are you going? Start bench cut. Oh, this is tough. I guess with this situation, like, is this, like, strictly, like, who I want as my sixth man? No, this so I mean, start bench cut. So, basically, it's still ranking one, oh, okay. two, three. All right, I mean, all I guess right. you would go all bench, right. bench cut with this. <laughs> so, so six man seventh man then cut i guess i don't know all right all it's like right. it's like a little um, mantras herald thing yeah i get you i get you um i'm gonna say i'm gonna say start lou will which is probably controversial because it's like man how do you take lou will over manu Bench Manu and then probably cut Jamal Crawford. No hate on Jamal. No hate on Jamal. But that's what I'm going. I'm gonna go start Manu, bench Lou Will, and cut Crawford. Crawford's one of my favorite players that I've ever watched play the game. He's just so exciting to watch. I mean, but the guy dropped 50 the, points at the age of like 38, 39. But I just think with his field goal percentage throughout his career, yeah, he's just a high volume yeah, shooter, and yeah. I think that kind of hurts him in a way. With Manu, the guy has the rings to back up the number. I mean, yeah, you can say the teams that he's been on with Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, but without Manu. Some people have said that if it wasn't for Popovich, Manu, like if he was on any other team, probably could have been a starter. And his numbers would have been. I think Manu kind of was the James Harden of that team when he was on the Thunder. He had to make a lot of sacrifices. People don't realize, like, Manu really, if, like I said, if he had the opportunity to start on a team not be the face of a team but just start 
his numbers could have been better. <laughs> he could have been viewed as a better player in the NBA uh, lore, NBA uh, history books. But, I mean, he had to make that sacrifice to be like, look, I'll come off the bench, even though necessarily I don't maybe want to come off the bench, but, hey, I'll come off the bench because it will mean that our team will have a better chance at winning. So, yeah, that's that's crazy. So why would you why would you start Lou Will and bench Manu? So I guess I guess I I wanted to say Lou Will just because I feel like the dude can just heat up like crazy. I feel like the guy can roll out of bed and give you twenty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he just heats up like crazy, and it's not to say that none of the other guys can do the same, but it's just. The way he gets into a, a a rhythm, it's 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 crazy, man. It's crazy. But I mean, I I was tempted to say start Manu, but I, I just like man, I'm the way that Lou Will gets hot, and I guess sometimes, and it's not to say that Lou Will's never had a bad game, but the, there's there's so many times where like Manu, I guess, has just had a lot of situations where. He hasn't really had the greatest moments or hasn't had the greatest basketball IQ in his career. So I guess I would more so lean more towards Lou Will because I feel more comfortable and more comfortable in saying that I would probably have a more consistent performance out of him than throughout the entirety of Mono's career, not just like his prime or whatever, like you said, but like the entirety of his career. So with with Lou Will, I think he is the greatest bench player of all time. I said that in a past episode, but I just think I would start Manu over him just because of what Manu meant for the Spurs. And basically without Manu, I don't think they're winning many of those rings, if any of those rings, to be honest, because <laughs> Manu, was, fair Manu point. was a dog. And I mean, don't get me wrong, Lou Will is too. And this was a very tough decision for me because I want to go with my guy, Lou Will. Magic City, shout out. But with, with <laughs> Manu, I mean, I, I just can't go against Manu. The, the guy has the rings to back it up. And with, like I said, without him, they wouldn't win those. All right, let's move on. We got the big men, Jokic, Carl Anthony Towns, and Embiid start bench cut. I feel like this is going to be like, like, I don't want to be like mean or anything, but. I'm probably going to say ah, it's tough. It's tough. Because the, the, fir- the first guys I want to go with is the guy who are, – are, so injuries don't matter, right? Like, do injuries matter or are we just talking, like, their whole when entire they're, When they're playing, yeah. I, okay. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, injuries don't matter because then Paul George would have been, you know. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. We'll... I guess I'll go – I'll say – I'll say – I'll say Embiid – I feel I feel I feel confident in saying Embiid, but then again, I'm looking at Jokic. But I'll say start Embiid, bench Jokic, cut cat. I'm gonna go with start Embiid. I mean, I already said this guy's the best big man in the league right now. And then this might be a surprise, but I'm gonna go bench cat and cut ah. Jokic, just because I feel like Carl Anthony Towns is getting the Demarcus Cousins treatment even though he's in the same situation as DeMarcus Cousins when he was on the Kings, the guy would put up the amazing numbers, was being regarded as the best center in the league at the time, putting up 50 points and almost triple doubles, basically, and Cats 
basically putting up the numbers in Minnesota, but has absolutely no help around him. I mean, they just brought back or they just brought in D'Angelo Russell, but that the season got cut short. So we never saw how they really played together for a good amount of time. So I just think Cat is that guy. He's young. And I think he he's a dog and he could do it on both ends. And that's that's where Jokic gets cut. That's true. That's Jokic. true. I mean, especially now, now that Jokic has lost a lot of weight. I don't know if he's going to be able to bang with the big dudes down in the post on defense. I mean, they might take advantage of him down there, but Embiid, I'm starting for obvious reasons. And then Cat, I'm just giving it to him because he has a defensive edge. Jokic is a far, far better playmaker. Don't get me wrong, but I just think that Cat can give you, from a scoring standpoint, the same thing that Jokic gives you, and but That's does true. it on defensively as well. That. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about that. I got to give that one to you, Kush. But at the same time, I'll stick with my pick. I'll defend. I'll defend my guy. I'll throw my guy some 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 slack here. But I think Jokic, like you said, uh, better playmaker. I think the the way that yes, obviously, if you look at the two teams and the two dynamics, yes, you would probably say that Jokic just had the benefit of the doubt of being able to play with you know the likes of Paul Millsap and. Uh, has had more talent and better coaching around him. But I think player-wise, I, I had to go with Jokic just because I feel like if you swap them out, I think Jokic could really make the Timberwolves better than Carl Anthony Towns. I know that's crazy saying that. I know that's crazy saying that. But I feel don't like know maybe if I could, agree with you on that maybe one. He could, maybe he could make them better. I don't know. I feel like his I don't think anyone his can make the, the, the Timberwolves better. That is tough, down. though. That is tough. That is tough. But I don't know. Maybe he could. I think maybe potentially with Cat taking Jokic's spot, I think they could possibly get over that hump. But it's also Man. tough. I think they're, like, right there. But I'm just giving my the edge to Cat. Yeah. I'll give you that, though. Like, the defense – very much lacking. And there has been a lot of talk with Jokic is like, maybe he's, he could be a little bit soft at points. And the crazy thing is that like, I think the whole Jimmy Butler situation, believe it or not, I think that was the best thing that happened to Cat. I think that was the best thing that happened to Carl Anthony Towns career. Like yeah. going through that, being called soft, being chewed out, getting beat being, by the third you know, string, humiliated, <laughs> yo, humiliated on such a national level, oh and and just God. like called out completely. Like he was even when they were in the playoffs against the Rockets, like people were like, "Yo, why is Cat like, you know, like just getting bullied?" So I think that was the best thing that happened to him because he, like you said, he's really turned it around, and he's 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 definitely not taking nothing from nobody now he's he's really establishing himself as potentially that that demarcus cousins type of uh underrated player in the uh the nba especially in the you know the conference like the west mm-hmm. all right i think here we go one, we got the toughest 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 oh, here we go here we go I'm, st- I'm not even convinced by my own answer but we're gonna go start bench cut Giannis, lebron and Kawhi. start bench cut Corey. okay all right, just based on his resume right now, I'm going to say start Kawhi. Just based off his resume and, and based off how he's been able to do it and based off of, like, you look at what he did with San Antonio, how he built up himself there, 
You look at what he did for Toronto. Yet again, he did have a great team around him. Yet, you know, he did have a right situation around him. I got to go with Kawhi. But we're talking about the 2019-2020 season. All right, all right, all right. So this season, this season right mm-hmm. here? Right now. Then I probably would say start Giannis then because I feel like he's having a really good season. And then it comes down to this. So start Giannis. Told you I was going to hurt feelings. Bench Kawhi and cut LeBron. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I told y'all I was going to hurt somebody's feelings, but it is what it is. Don't get me wrong. That's no shots at LeBron. But I just, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. The dude's getting gray in the beard. It's kind of concerning. I, I just, I, look, I'm not doubting LeBron will be able to get me that 20 and 10. And seven, but I don't know, man. It's just, it's just, I'm, I'm kind of worried about the longevity of it all. I don't, I just don't know if he is going to be able to push the Lakers to, to the chip. And that's not to say that that won't happen. I'm not saying it won't. It's just, I have concerns about it. And I think that when you look at Kawhi, who yet Kush said was struggling, but look, I'm gonna ride with Kawhi. And again, I'm not hating on LeBron, but I'm just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ride with Kawhi. I think Kawhi, I think Kawhi right now, I think he he he's he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. The reason why I haven't said anything is because my jaw's still on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I think based on the 2019-2020 season, start Giannis. I think we're both in agreement with that. I think Giannis is the MVP this season. But I'm gonna go against against yeah. my own will. But I'm gonna go bench LeBron, cut Kawhi. Hey, that's fair. That is. I fair. just think LeBron, and you're gonna see it in the playoffs as well too. He missed last season. He has a lot to make up for, and he's going to. And I don't think he's ever had a running mate like AD in his entire career. I would put AD over D Wade. I would put AD over Bosch. I would definitely put AD over D Wade. So I think that I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. No, I would not put a. I would not put D Wade. I would not. I just. I don't know. I, I think put a talent wise. Talent wise, may yeah maybe, but career wise, I don't. No, no, no. I'm not saying career wise. I'm saying I'm saying when LeBron had D Wade and when LeBron had AD. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think you're seeing. I think LeBron probably has the most talented player that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying yeah okay i get you okay 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 i was like man that's tough but career career wise you can't even talk about that because i mean mean, yeah totally different beast yeah exactly totally different beast and i think just with Kawhi, it's so hard to cut him because i said this before and i'm kind of going against my word because i said Kawhi is like 2a and lebron is 2b but i'm kind of going against it right now just because LeBron, LeBron could just turn up at any time he wants to. He really can. <laughs> he really can. That's the thing. He can. It's like he can. He can. if LeBron really wants to drop fifty on you, he will. He could. He could. He very could. It, it, that, that's why I just got to give it to LeBron. I mean, yeah, Giannis is the best. I would say the best two-way player in the league right now because the guy's gonna win MVP and is, I think, gonna win Defense Player of the Year as well too. So 
He's becoming a monster. No. He's becoming a legitimate monster. And then, so it's tough for me to go against Giannis. And then, yeah, bench LeBron, cut Kawhi. Y'all going to hate me. It's okay, though. It's okay. Y'all going to hate me, but it's all right. It's all right. I want to hear you guys' reaction. All right. It's all right. Let us know. And again, no diss to LeBron. I'm not a LeBron James hater. It's just, I think right now, right now, right now, I would have to put Kawhi on on the bench. I would would put Kawhi on the bench. Now I have to cut LeBron. That's crazy. I know that's that's, that's crazy, but that's what I'm going to have to do. Very interesting. Let us know what you guys think. But other than that, we're going to wrap this show up. I hope you guys enjoyed this NBA jam-packed. I'm so, so, so excited that NBA games that actually count are finally back. The NBA bubble is looking good. Zero positive tests in nine days. So, I mean, fingers crossed it's looking good. Looking like we can make it till October to the to the NBA finals. So let's hope fingers crossed, but make sure you guys are following us on social media, Twitter, the underscore nosebleeds, Instagram, the nosebleeds, Facebook, the nosebleeds podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Any last words, Corey? Like I said, man, if you don't like this podcast, then you don't like NBA basketball, man. Come on now nosebleeds y'all already know what's up man stay tuned we got some more cooking for you but nba is back officially enjoy the games keep staying safe keep washing your hands keep social distancing keep wearing your mask and we out of here deuces